Hello, and welcome to the Maiden to Mother podcast. My name is Natalie Bailey, and I'm thrilled you're here. Transitioning from the youthful years of maidenhood to the divine role of motherhood is an arduous journey, one of transformation, of growth, of beauty, and of chaos. In this space, we connect with women and professionals to hear their personal and witnessed experiences of women taking this amazing journey from maiden to mother. All right, today we have an amazing interview with one of my favorite people who is a self-proclaimed birth nerd. And let me tell you, if you ever need to know anything about birth from an evidence-based point of view, Nicole is the person to go to. She is uh, located here in Orange County. She is a hypnobirthing extraordinaire instructor, along with offering some incredible other services to our community, which I will let her share um, at the end of our interview. Um, but I could not be more excited to be talking with you, my fellow goddess. Thank you. About um, your maiden to mother journey and what you have witnessed in your own life, as well as even kind of sharing like what you have seen other women go through yeah. with their journey from maiden to mother. So we'll start off and I want to hear about your maiden to mother journey, whatever that may be. So this was really interesting, an interesting concept for me to think about because um, I almost feel like my journey to motherhood started in childhood. Like mm -hmm. for as long as I could remember, I've been a caregiver. Mm -hmm. So um, I was always drawn to caring for animals or then when I got a little older, being around younger children. Like I remember in school, we had like a buddy system with the kindergartners, like when I was in fifth grade. So and you cute. partnered up with a kindergartner. And, you know, I loved that nurturing relationship, that caregiving relationship. And then, of course, as I got older, I was always the mom of the group, always <laughs> caring for other friends um, on the playground. And then even when we got into, like, partying scenarios, you know, I was always making sure everybody had enough water to drink. And if somebody <laughs> got hurt, I was going to sit with them and then would go to, like, would go to Coachella. I'd always bring the first aid kit, you know. Um, you so were that girl. long before I actually had children of my own. Um, and then I even sought out education having to do with caregiving. Like I got degrees in sociology and child development simply because I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Enjoyed that aspect of life. I don't know that, that type of connection with others. So um, it's hard to say. It's a really blurry line for me in terms of when my motherhood started because when I gave birth physically it was an almost seamless transition into the role of motherhood mm. um, but the physical parts of birth were what really like broke me open spiritually and in lots of different ways um, that I didn't expect mm. but like the motherhood role was a little bit more of like a smooth transition. I remember even in the hospital with my first, the nurses not believing me that it was my first baby. Because wow. they're like, you're so calm. You seem like you know what you're doing. Because I had been a nanny. You know, it's something I was always interested in. And even though I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> now with like a six-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old. Join the club. Yeah. I just feel like I don't worry about it. Like I feel confident that I can handle it mm. as it comes, even when it's hard. Totally. So I don't know. I feel like my journey is probably pretty 
different than a lot of other people's mm. because of that. Yeah. But that's like the first thing that I thought of when you brought this up to me. Well, and I, I, I find it interesting, like, that you initially, you know, that you kind of had this motherhood instinct mm-hmm. already ingrained in you from a young age, because I think that that's where women, this arch- these archetypes get lost, I mm-hmm. think, and they're not, because they're not readily discussed or even honored and understood, there is that blurry line of like, well, right. where am I a maiden and where am I a mother? Because we see, you know, I know you don't have girls, but I have a little girl and I don't, I try my best to just let her have her own experiences, Yeah, but she naturally does exactly what you did. She mothers yeah. her baby, you know? <laughs> and so there is this kind of blurred line. I mean, do you think that, do you think you had an example of a mother yes. like in your life that really yes. promoted that? Yeah. So my own mother absolutely planted that seed mm. from when I was a very young girl. Um, I, so I had two parents in my house, but my father wasn't super available. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just my mom and I. She, you know, almost filled like a single mother role in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And we became very, very close. And she was very much all about attachment parenting before it was had a name mm-hmm. and gentle parenting and treating me with respect, even as a child. Mm. And it built like a strong sense of trust between us. And also I admired the way she was with me. Like I recognized that from a young age. Mm. Um, and also the way she, she volunteered with my school and I saw the way she uh, she was with my friends. She was the same as I was with my friends. She was always mothering my friends who maybe had less happy homes Mm. and needed a place to escape and they would come up to my house and my mom would take care of them. I had friends even live with her when I was in college Mm. um, and things like that because they didn't have, you know, a loving home to go to. And so I feel like I always admired that in her and recognized that in her and it made me want to be be the same way or better. Um, And it was quite remarkable because she had a really – rough childhood Mm. and she could have gone the other way and some of her sisters did Mm -hmm. so um I think that was also something I really respected and honored Mm. in her that I was like I want to rise up to be like her and it's a daily struggle Uh (laughs) and she has talents I don't have that I'm discovering that made it maybe easier for her in a lot of ways but you know, I still, I, yeah, I feel like it's because of her totally. example for sure. Totally. Yeah. Just on that, you're saying like your mom has different talents than you. Do you think that, do you think that it's talents or gifts that she has or is it the different time in which you are parenting versus the time in which mm. she was parenting? That's such a good point. I do think part of it comes down to interest and personality Mm -hmm. I feel like and this was something that was interesting for my journey into motherhood too that I discovered I feel like my mother was genuinely passionate about motherhood Mm -hmm. and it was her greatest achievement in life Mm -hmm. not to downplay anything else she did but you know she didn't achieve like a higher degree and she didn't have she worked but she didn't have like a career I mean she had a career but it wasn't like her life Got it. I was her life and yes. she made no secret about that yes and she loved being home with me she was mm. blessed to be able to be home with me um but 
And then I'm sure there is something to be said about, like, it being the 80s and just life was different. Totally. But I also discovered, especially once I stayed home more with my kids, that I was not, motherhood was not my truest passion. And Mm -hmm. I expected it to be. And that was one of the things that, like, birth broke open for me, that I was, like, I found a, a passion in birth itself. Um, whereas expected motherhood to be my ultimate goal and passion. Right. And I realized that wasn't quite enough or mm-hmm. I needed something else in addition to that and either in order to feel whole. Mm-hmm. But for her, I think that was what completed her. And so it just looks different totally. for both of us. And do you think though, I guess even going further with that, do you think that that is, do you think that is a product of we our generation growing up in this feminist movement of women can go out and do whatever they want. Not that your mom didn't have that opportunity either, but it was not, I don't feel like as much in the forefront as it Mm -hmm. is now. Do you think that that played a role or do you think that you just inherently needed to have a separation of Nicole mom and Nicole self? So my question for you is, do you think that your need and desire, and I have the same desire and need, uh, to have, you know, your motherhood roles separate from your self, right? Your personal identity. Do you think that that is just inherently who Nicole is? Or do you think in some way that was impacted by, um, growing up in a society where you continually saw women coming to the forefront and that kind of influenced, the way that you wanted to be in the world, if that makes sense. I think both are true Mm. because I did always, thanks to the way I was brought up and the way my mother was with me, I've always had like a pretty strong sense of self Mm. and I've always been pretty confident. I've never been super ambitious, (laughs) like got degrees, got a sociology degree, (laughs) didn't do anything with it, just did it because it was fun. You have a degree. And I had a lot of fun in college. There you go. My husband and like, oh no. Um, (laughs) So I was never... I knew that I could like do anything. I'm using air quotes that no one can see. Totally. But I was never, I never felt super ambitious and driven to be highly successful, so mm-hmm. to speak. But I was never worried about being limited, mm. I guess, in terms of what I, if I wanted to do something, I felt like I could probably achieve whatever I wanted. Totally. It just became a function of finding out what I wanted to do. Mm. And I thought previously that once I became a mother, I would have a clearer vision of what Mm. the rest of that part of my life would look like. And I figured it would be centered around my children. And then I think unexpectedly through the birth of my first child, I found what my true passion actually was. Mm -hmm. So I think that was unique to me. But at the same time, like you said, I think I was, I've always just been able to feel free to kind of do whatever as well. Totally. And that's worked the other way. Like I don't feel pressure to be a true stay at home mom either. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of women who are, um, only stay at homes. I hate that qualifier because totally. it's, but it is a full time job. Yes. Job. I do feel like I have four jobs, Yes, but, um, and it's the hardest time of my life that mm-hmm. I've ever had, but it's also the most rewarding and fulfilling and whole I've ever felt. Totally. So, um, but I don't feel pressure to be one or the other, or Mm -hmm. I don't feel guilty. I, I, it's great. It's really freeing. I don't feel guilty at all for working the way that I do, um, the way I want to. And so that's kind of nice. And I think that is 
due to what I was able to be exposed to in childhood and totally. my mom encouraging me and all yeah. that kind of stuff. That stuff's important. Yeah. Um, and you said, just we can touch on it quickly, but you said that physically birth broke you open. Like, can you elaborate on that? Because Not that's like physically. But. Well, yes. Well, I mean, yes, you were fine. Everyone's fine. No, nothing broke. But nothing broke. But the, I guess maybe the physical aspects or the, just the, the act of birth, I mean, yeah. alone just, or the initiation that is birth. Yeah broke you open. Is that kind of what you were? Yeah. Well, actually I feel like it even started in my pregnancy. Um, despite how flowery my mother discussed pregnancy and my birth, you know, there was all the years in between that society likes to screw up Mm -hmm. and culture likes to screw up. Mm -hmm. And so I was so afraid. I thought it was disgusting. I thought being pregnant was disgusting. You get fat and then like, it's just gross. Like you're just gross. Everything's gross about it. And then the baby comes out and it's insanely painful Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it right like (laughs) even the medication isn't great and didn't sound real great to me either Mm -hmm. and like surgery sounded horrible like none of the options sounded good and so I was stuck in that place of fear for a while and as I started to explore options and even realize that there were options available to me that nobody had ever well so it's funny. Again, my mom, my aunt had home births. Okay. And my mom attended those births. Wow. She had me in the hospital because she has a medical condition and just was safer, but she had me like without medication at 42 weeks with no wow. no even hinted induction or anything like that, which oh, is so man. wild. Times, yes. So wild. Um, so I guess there again were these seeds planted, but mm-hmm. nobody had ever talked to nobody else had really talked to me about that, even as an adult. Totally. Even like after being married. And then once I got started to explore it and I started to figure out what I wanted and what I didn't want, that started to be, that's like where it started, I feel like. That's where I really started to truly enter that space of transformation Mm -hmm. was, I I really felt like I was coming into my power at the end of my pregnancy once I was like, I had taken the dumb hospital classes that were awful that sent me into panic attacks as we drove home every night. I was like, this is terrible. Like, that woman was screaming. (laughs) And the breathing techniques, like, I don't get it. Like, how are you supposed to panic? Like, that's the, I'm hyperventilating during the class. And I'm asking my husband, like, how are you going to help me? He's like, I don't know just tell you to relax. And I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the face. This is not, this is not good. And, um, luckily I kind of figured out what I thought I wanted and got the support that I needed. Got a doula, started learning about hypnobirthing. My doula was a hypnobirthing instructor. And by the end of pregnancy, I was thrilled. I was Mm. excited. So it was really like a complete 180 from truly being afraid to being and like anticipatory, like I was so excited, I couldn't wait to see what it was going to feel like, how it was totally. going to be, and so that's like where it started. And then the actual process itself yes. was just so powerful, and it was hard. Like I, I never tell anybody like that birth is easy, but mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be easy. Not everything in life needs to be easy in the order things to be that make you grow the enjoyable. Most yeah. Um, and as humans, we like to be challenged. And yet, for birth, women are so afraid for all these other reasons that then they become afraid of the challenge as well. Right. Not seeing the, the, the beauty and the growth that can come from that. Totally. And I felt like as challenging as it was, the, every step of the way, I felt like either I could do it or I had people 
who would help me do it. Yes. And I think that was made such a difference in how I felt about the outcome, which was a great outcome. You yes. know, I didn't need any medication, only had like a few, couple of minor things afterwards, but we were healthy and Good. I was, I couldn't shut up about it. Like I immediately told my husband a week later, I want to do that again. <laughs> I was on cloud nine, like told all my friends. And then I just, you know, couldn't stop reading and learning. And totally. it was just like, it was like something broke open in my brain. Like mm-hmm. you you have to do this. You have to do this work. You have to inspire others. You have to educate others, share your knowledge. And I haven't stopped no, you for haven't. six years. No, you haven't. And we are so lucky to have you in Orange County. Let me tell you. And I, I, I just want to make an observation too. Like you were saying in your maidenhood, in early maidenhood and in continuing on until you transitioned fully, I guess, to motherhood. It sounds like you had in your life a foundation of like uh, courage in yourself mm-hmm. and, and knowing yourself and, and, um, really being connected to what you know you need and what other people know you need, or even how people, other people can serve you because you had such a wonderful role within your mother and Mm -hmm. taking that fear and using the foundation of your maidenhood that yes, I can nurture. Yes. I can support myself. Yes. I can support others. Yes. You know, love is all we need or whatever. You were able to translate that when you were hit with such strong fear in your birth story and say, no, 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 no. Yeah. I know what I need to do. I'm going to take control. I'm going to be, you know, a powerful woman and go empower myself to take this on. And I think that's where we see not with all women, luckily, but with a good amount of women, if the maiden foundation is not solid moving into motherhood. And you said like no adults talk to you about birth while you were moving in through adulthood. And I was surrounded by adults because I was primarily an only child. I had half sisters, Mm -hmm. but yeah, nobody... It wasn't discussed. And, like, even the sex education that I got mm-hmm. at my hippie elementary and private schools. Like, I went to some really progressive schools. Mm-hmm. And it was still barely discussed. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing meaningful whatsoever. And so I also feel like I was able to have – I had, and I still have that self-assurance and confidence and courage. Even, like, when things get hard because of – the things I saw my mother deal with growing up, you know, with my father being absent and having addiction issues. And, you know, she, I saw her go through hard times, but she always found a way to come back. Mm -hmm. And she always found a way to make sure I had what I needed. Mm -hmm. And she didn't completely fall apart in front of me, but she was also not afraid to be vulnerable. And I knew like when she was suffering or Mm -hmm. things like that. And she was transparent with me and honest with me. And even if I think other people didn't have a mother like that, there are ways that we can kind of glean the strengths from whatever our mother or a mother figure that we had. Because sometimes it's not our biological mother, but like another woman or other women that we had in our lives. Or Or feminine energy. Or exactly other adults. Yes. Um, There are ways to, you know, channel that into Mm -hmm. the difficulties of motherhood or the the challenges of motherhood and transitioning into that. Totally. Totally. I think that's huge. impact. Totally. And I think that that's... 
I think that's uh, that speaks volumes. That's it, it speaks volumes to the importance of laying that foundation in yeah. maidenhood yeah. for our children, and not even just for our girls, but you know, the, the first stage for boys is being a page, right? They mm. compare it page, knight, and then father. Okay, and so laying that foundation for our boys and having that page set up of, hey, you're learning, you're gleaning, you're exploring, you're discovering, you're, for boys, it's more just like adventuring and messing up, you know, and not messing up in a bad way, but just mess, just like mess, and then they learn from the mess. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important that those foundations are set up because then we are set up again for success in subsequent phases. All right, so this is where I get to kind of interview you and get some information like gleaning from you, even though we've kind of been talking, but, um, and since this is our first interview, just so you guys listeners know, I will be asking these kind of questions to all of my interviewees. So we can kind of see the, uh, comparison of stories across and really glean, um, how different woven lives can be interconnected as well as learning from experiences that we don't personally have. Absolutely. And then finding the transformation and growth from there. So my first question, how would you describe your personal expression of the maiden archetype? Like who is, as Nicole, how did you live as a maiden? What was your expression of maidenhood? Can you give me an example? Yes. So um, did you feel that as a maiden, you were the adventurous discovering type? Were you more of the... Um, intimate dreamer? Were you more of the um, observer as a maiden? Does those make sense? Kind of those different Mm -hmm. aspects? I was definitely, I've always been an observer. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm quite an introvert, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I teach like hundreds of families and I'm really comfortable doing that. But at the core of me, I am an introvert and an observer. So um, I've always been fascinated with the way people are and interact with each other. And so I always tend to observe situations before I join in. And then I've definitely was always a dreamer. And I remember just fantasizing about life, you know, when I I was a girl thinking about what I would be like as a teenager Mm. and then um, what it would be like to be in love Mm. and what it would be like to have a family. I often recall dreaming and fantasizing about that kind of stuff. Being an only child, I had a lot of time to myself. And that's a huge and part so, of it. And so, yeah, I was always, um, you know, when I would play with stuffed animals and stuff, there was a lot of, like, creation of stories and things surrounding those types of themes and, like, just wondering about what my life was like. I wouldn't say I was super adventurous, but I did love being in nature and mm. outdoors, and I love always have loved discovering new things. Um, And so we did spend a lot of time when I was young camping and Mm. being with nature. And um, that was a huge part of my maidenhood, I feel like, that I would love to get back to. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Because I feel it's missing. Yes. Yes. It's very easy to get disconnected. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, I would say that's how I would describe. I like that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you could go back in time... And give your maiden self one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Well, just reinforcing that I can handle anything that comes my way and to have trust in myself 
above all else. Um, and to not be afraid to go after my dreams. I get stuck in that a little bit mm -hmm. of being afraid of failing or afraid of looking stupid. Um, We've talked about that. imposter syndrome I'm a lot. Such bad imposter yes, syndrome. Yes, totally. Every day, even right now. Totally. <laughs> it's what I'm doing right now. Like, um, like my business. Yeah, just a lot of different things. So yeah, I'm just reminding myself that when I leap, I do succeed. And it's funny because the times I have taken big leaps, it works out. Like it's almost never not worked out for me. So That's I don't amazing. know why I still like am stuck in that. And so, um, it keeps you hungry and keeps you present, I think. Yeah, that's true. You know? I mean, the fear lets you know that you're you're excited and you're committed. That it's important. That it's yeah. important to you. That's so that it's true. fulfilling you in some way, mm -hmm. you know? And if you, because if you weren't afraid, that's what I, you know, I know you probably had doula clients like this, but when I have a mom who's like, I'm so excited, I have no fear, I'm like, whoa, no, I get we got to slow back a little bit, you know? <laughs> there is a wonderful role that fear plays, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So just that constant reminder, cause I just feel like I still need more of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's cool. Um, what has been the most profound lesson you have learned as a mother? That it's okay to change your mind. Mm. That I don't need to worry about what anybody else is doing with their path through motherhood and that. I have everything I need to find my own path and that my intuition serves me just fine for how I want to mother my children and help my family grow. Um, the changing my mind has been huge and that it's okay to start over, mm. you know, um, to release control. The biggest yes. transformations after my children have come to me have been in the moments where I was trying so hard to fit them in a box mm -hmm. and there was just massive resistance and something inside me said, let it go. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I did, the clouds parted Totally. and everybody was fine and we just started over. Mm -hmm. We started with something new. We started with something else and... I go back to that all the time. It's hard to remember to go back to it because you just start to get, it's like a, like a wedge. You yes. just get deeper and deeper into the wedge yes. until you can't really even see anything else. And then you're suffocating and then you're like, what else do I do? And that's the hardest time to be like, just forget it. Totally. Like, let it go. And I feel like I've had massive growth. Okay. So next question is kind of a, an interesting one. Um, how do you see our society support the mother archetype or the mother? And how do you see society hinder her? Well, obviously, I feel like it's the latter more than the former. Uh -huh. Support. Man. I feel like there's generally a lot of positivity about motherhood, that it's it's generally seen as um, a beautiful thing and that, you know, mothers are important people. I mean, it's like, yes, it's, it's kind of that way on the surface, but then beneath the surface, it's, it's right. not. It's like, oh, it's such a loaded question. I know. It's really hard for me to think of the ways motherhood is supported um, by society. I feel like it's 
getting better. Like there's more focus on family centered things and children are more welcome in society and things like that, which again, which supports mothers as well because mm-hmm. children come with their mothers Absolutely. everywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> they are vitally connected. <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, the list is endless for how it hinders mothers. No. Um, I was actually just talking to somebody, a friend of mine who's pregnant and she works at, um, a firm and, um, it's really, it's really high strung work. She works her butt off and she's Mm. massively successful and brilliant. But the, she even said the culture at a, at a female centered office which mm-hmm. is very like girl power that the the joke or whatever is you have your baby on Friday and you come back to work on Monday oh gracious and um you know that everybody just has like nannies and mm-hmm. other people and and then that's and that's feminism to them I sure. suppose and that is a form of feminism sure um but that's not without its side effects and risks to not only those individuals, but our culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think I always come back to birth being so important because it all just, that's where we all start yes. as people. And the things that we have set up, you know, the, our maternity care system is horribly broken. Deplorable. Yeah. Horrible. I was just reading an article this morning, you know me. I do. Always reading the articles. I love it. About, and the title was, was really powerful. It was, um, why are we torturing mothers in birth and expecting or not expecting them to have mental health issues yeah. following. It's like, well, yes. of course. Uh, not just in question. birth, but, um, oh, it was like, why are we torturing new mothers and shocked when they have mental health issues? And it's so true. It's like the way women move through their birth process, but then also immediately after, it was one of the reasons I didn't want a hospital birth the second time, was you get moved to the postpartum room and you're constantly interrupted. Yes. The lights are flipped on. They're, they're bugging you to do something, to ask you questions, and waking up the baby. Right. You can't just rest. Right. There's no one there to serve you in that pivotal moment. And even the weeks after, I know you know this oh, too. Yes. Um, and my husband only took a week off each time. And at the time I felt like, oh, okay, you know, we need totally. money and this is what everybody else does. Right. So if everybody else can do it, I must be able to do it. Um, and we but, cut our men short, I think, too, thinking, well, they're not going to do a whole lot anyway. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So they might as well go back to work. And then we're left by ourselves. And at least I was like, holy no. shit, dude, I actually do need you around. Not even like to do things for me. I just need another I just person. just needed him. Yeah. Just even energetically. And I felt way more so the second time. The first time I did have my mom, mm. um, she actually moved to be with us. Um, so nice. And didn't have a job yet. So yes. it was nice. She came over every day. And yeah, just having somebody else in the house, mm-hmm. even if they weren't doing a lot, like was huge. Mm-hmm. And so the second time was in some ways harder, but I did have things set up in place to make it easier. Like I made sure to prioritize my own rest and I knew more about that kind of stuff. Um, but the system isn't set up for this. And mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be going back to my office job. So that's mm-hmm. another thing. It's like some women have to go back to work Six weeks postpartum, some even two weeks. I know. And then, of course, the standard is is 12 weeks Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, but even that is too short. It's too fast. Totally. And um, you look at other developed countries, and it's a year. Yeah. Or at least six months. Paid. Paid. Yeah. Or, or yeah, there's just systems set up. There's just better systems. So I feel like 
there's like this fake excitement about you had a baby or when you're pregnant too, it's like all about mom mm-hmm. and then the baby comes out and it's like, where'd mom go? I love um, improving births. New campaign is, is mom. Okay. Yes. Because yes. that's what happens is, is the focus gets on the baby and like you need to, okay, the baby's out now, mom. Mm-hmm. Now it's time. You better buckle down. Right. Like, you better do this right. Cause mm-hmm. otherwise you're a bad mom. I'm oh, doing totally. air quotes again. Yes. Um, and so it's, there's it's no, about you anymore, it's no, mom. there's no support yeah. in a newborn mother. Right. It's just all about girl, you better get it together because now you got all this responsibility. Remember you signed up for this. Right. So come on, go back to work. Lose some weight. Yes. Um, who cares if you're breastfeeding? Yep. Just like do whatever. I don't yep. care what you want, but you better get it together. So, you know, I can talk for hours about how totally. culture is hurting mothers. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's why I have this podcast, honestly, is because that's where I think we are, um, we're failing women is we do not honor that the shift from maiden to motherhood no. includes death. As well as birth. Mm -hmm. I mean, the death of your life before baby. And I don't care. I've said this before. I don't care if it's first baby or fifth baby. Oh, yeah. You still experience a death of, okay, what I was just used to Mm -hmm. is now gone. Yep. In an instant. In an instant. Right. Right. I mean, and and really, whether you labored for two hours, 22, 32 hours, in the whole scheme of things, it's very fast. Yeah. And we do not then really sink deep into honoring that transition for a woman. You know, I mean, the physical aspect, we really don't, I don't I mean six oh. weeks. I mean, that's horrendous, but even going further, just like what that article was sounds like was saying was like, we're shocked when women have mental health. Yeah. Issues. That postpartum like, depression and anxiety is like this huge thing now. No. Well, yeah, I'm not surprised no. at all. No, no, because we just don't honor that these women have to, shed and they have to grieve yeah while also being filled to the brim with love for a new Mm -hmm. being and having those conflicting things this thing Mm -hmm. that I love so immensely caused me to lose something that I've known for fill in the blank however many years you were a maiden and there's almost this it's a conflict of interest Mm -hmm. something that I nurtured with my body and I brought into this world by choice and I wanted is now what has caused me to lose the life I loved and that I was living before. And then we wonder why women never want to leave their baby or the opposite. Some women are like, I I can't do this. Right. I I don't want to do this, you know? And so that I think, yeah, it's a, it's a huge issue. And it's why this is, I'm so excited to have this community of stories so that women know, like you're not the only one. And that's the thing is the burden is now being put on new mothers Mm -hmm. who have had to suffer through the trauma of not being supported and nurtured during this time. And we're the ones that have to figure it out because nobody else is seeing the importance Mm -mm. um, from the outside. Uh, And part of it is we don't talk about it. No. Right. So I think things like this are so great because Women don't even know, like, before they have their babies. They have no idea what's coming. And, of course, right. it's that um, – it's almost that trauma bonding mm-hmm. thing that happens, too, with experienced mothers. Yes. You know, like, yes. oh, well, I had it terrible, so you're going to have it terrible, too, and now we're going to bond over our shared over our trauma. Suffering. Yeah. And suffering when it's like, no, we can break that cycle. Totally. But it's, it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard without support. It is. Um. I know I'm like all about the resources, but, uh, you know, there's a local um, therapist, Marissa Zweitow, I think is how uh-huh. pronounce yeah, yeah. her She wrote a book called Postpartum Happiness. Yes. And it's all about um, that, what you just described about the dichotomy, dichotomy 
of loving your baby but hating the job. I think yes. that's like her tagline. Yes. Which is, I guess to some people might sound, I don't know, bad? Harsh. Yeah. Harsh. That's a good word to yeah. describe it. But um, I think that's an almost universal Absolutely. experience, even if it's brief. Right. So, yeah, these things need to be shared and discussed totally. with honesty and to I don't, normalize and to it. normalize it yeah. and not even not even in a negative way but just to say like hey this might happen this happens and surround yourself with support like be prepared for it do mm-hmm. what you need to do well and when we talk about it i think we also take away the judgment like the yes. hidden judgment yeah. of it you know what i mean if yeah. you're like hey i love my children but the daily duties I have as a mom, I could punt those out the door. Yeah. Like, I'm over that, you know, and I'm over. Or I need a break from it. Yes, yeah. right? Or I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to explain myself literally for the 500th time about something. Yeah. That's maddening, yeah. right? Yeah. But because, just because that makes me feel insane, yeah. doesn't mean that I look at my child and go, grateful right, that something. that diminishes my love for it right. in any no. way, right? And I, so I think if we're talking about it, then it takes away this veil of judgment that we think mm-hmm. everyone has about yeah. us, which yeah. is healthy. Mm-hmm. We need to know, like, nope, you can feel that way, and I'm and not going to okay. judge you, yeah. you know, because I have felt that way too. Well, yeah. You it's can't huge. shove those feelings away either. There's, like, um, a metaphor about negative feelings and them being like a beach ball. Totally. And if you try to submerge the beach ball in water, it's always just going to pop right back up. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see, like, trauma with birth or trauma in postpartum or trauma throughout the new part of motherhood, mm-hmm. um, rear its ugly head and all sorts of mental health issues totally. even later on in life. Yes. And so, yeah, in order to not have that continue, mm-hmm. we have to address it so that we're not shoving the beach ball down. Right. But we're like, you know, slowly letting the air out of the beach ball. Right. <laughs> it's just very gentle release. Right. Gentle I appreciate release. that. And I think too, the, us talking about it now and even taking like, dealing with women's trauma from their maidenhood mm-hmm. so that then that oh, is not absolutely. exacerbated by light possibility of more trauma. Yeah, just stacking it on. Right. And now we then we expect her to say, well, now you're a mother. You need to forget about all that maiden yeah. stuff. And like, it just doesn't. Nope. That doesn't work. Nope. Doesn't work. Yep. All right. That was fun. Um, okay. <laughs> last, uh, last question. Um, what wisdom do you have to share for those beginning to or currently moving through this sacred transition of maiden to mother. So there's so much. I know. Well, I'd say like you mentioned, starting with dealing with whatever previous trauma mm. you have. So seeking out support for that in whatever way feels good, whether that's therapy or mm. energy healing or hypnotherapy or a meditation practice, um, or even medication if it's needed. Really? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm right in there between Western and Eastern remedies. I think, you know, you got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of taking care of that mess before yeah. embarking on to the journey of motherhood. Ideally before you get pregnant. Ideally. So, yeah. And then um, following that, looking ahead to how you want the experience of that transition to look and feel mm-hmm. and seeing what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's situation is different. So some people, um, you know, may, some people don't have family that live nearby, for example, um, and think like, well, that's okay. I can do it all my own. 
you know, my husband's going to be home. Maybe their husband or their partner is going to be home for six weeks. I've had, I've known some people that did that and that's great. Um, but some people don't and just kind of thinking about seeking out that support and planning for it ahead of time. And then of course, you know, I'm all about planning for the least traumatic birth possible. Absolutely. And so beginning that education and finding out what your options are for labor and birth. Um, that's such a catalyst for either just trauma again, more layered trauma or empowerment or Mm -hmm. finding your power. Mm -hmm. And so stacking the odds in your favor of being empowered after that, because that will absolutely help with the transition, um, into motherhood. So yeah, support and education. I always go back to that, um, and doing the work and doing the work for sure. And I think it's a really important point that you said doing it even before conception. Yes. You know, nobody does that. And nobody does it. And I think, I think nobody really does it because we have a, a social system set up that you, you find your love, you get married and you have kids. Right. And that's just what you do. And there's really no, it rarely looks like that no. too. <laughs> even though Facebook and Instagram will make us think differently. No. It's not how that happens. No. And I think, Again, that's why this transition needs to be discussed more and needs to be honored more because I I believe that we would have amazing women and subsequent and mothers and subsequently incredible generations to come if women would take the time to slow down mm-hmm. when they feel this pull to conceive and bring a soul here. Yeah. Slow down and go, Wait. okay, who am I? Mm-hmm. what are the things that I know I will need for the rest of my life, right. whether I'm 20, 40, or 60, what yeah. are the aspects of my life that fill my cup? What are the parts of my life that I know are wounded that mm-hmm. I will probably always struggle with? And what can I do now to set up tools yeah. and practices or rituals so that when those wounds present themselves, mm-hmm. how will I deal with it? Because yeah. at one point I will have someone relying on me yeah. and if I have a solid foundation of practices in my toolbox that I can use no matter what, whether I have an infant or a teenager or whatever, that I can be my best self, yeah. um, then I think that's beneficial for everybody, yeah. you know? And then I think we would hopefully see less trauma and depression and anxiety because these women know who they are, mm-hmm. they know what they need, yep. and they're solid. Yeah. You know, and not to say that any solid woman isn't going to waver. I mean, we all waver. I mean, Oh yeah. You know, just our emotional daily cycles. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Our hormones, crazy stuff. And yeah, especially monthly. If you have your solid foundation, then I can't, I can't help but believe you would really then subsequently go on to be an amazing partner, Mm -hmm. an amazing woman, an amazing mother. Like, you know, just fill in the blank of all the roles that women play in our society. You could really, do those things in such a strong way. Yeah. You know, I was in a women's group last night, like a mom's group and we were discussing identity and we did an exercise of discussing and writing down, like what are our core values? Mm. Um, what are our interests? Mm. What are our passions? Um, how is our temperament? You yes. know, like that kind of self exploration. Yes. And it was interesting because as self, reflective and self-aware as I feel like I am because I'm constantly psychoanalyzing myself. I hadn't done an exercise like that in a really long time. So I feel like it needs to be some kind of requirement. 
Oh, absolutely. Like, before you get pregnant or right as you discover you're pregnant, because sometimes it's not planned. Totally. Or half the time it's not planned, actually. <laughs> um, that you then, like, do that to start yes. that, like, untangling of yes. what's behind you and seeing what you need in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it was a really valuable exercise. And if we can even – I love that. And that's, mm-hmm. I, I, that's exactly what I'm trying to say is what we need. And I think then we could even take it further and – involve oh. our partners and husbands yes. in that, you know, oh, and yeah. have them do it, you yeah. know, because even though their lives don't drastically change the way that ours do, they now have a, you know, I was about to use the word burden, but it's not, they now have more weight on their shoulders yeah. because they, in a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of situations, they are the breadwinners. You know, that's still the reality of our society, yeah. whether we want to admit that mm-hmm. or not. And so now they not only have a partner or wife to support, but now they have a completely dependent being yeah. that is very expensive yeah. that, you know, cannot function on their own for a very long time mm-hmm. and not only needs financial means to survive, but needs a masculine and a feminine present energy. And yeah. so, and they will pull that out of you whether you want to give it to them or not. Yeah. And so if we as women set the standard of this is what we're going to do before we become parents, and yeah. I think we can bring on the husbands and the partners and they can subsequently do their work. And then, my God, Nicole, think of what an amazing family you know, oh, that would be. Yeah, and I see that a lot with male partners, too. Because, of course, like, men don't think about this. No. Growing up, ever. No. But then, and the, and sometimes as women or female partners, we enable the almost ignorance of it. Yes. Um, and I think it used to be kind of thought of as, like, if this is a sacred thing for just women mm-hmm. but now we've lost that communal female support during right. this process so that's gone yeah but now we're also still kind of like not including our male partners and um or subsequently we're placing too much pressure on them to replace the woman tribe that well we really yeah like expecting have. things from them that they can't really give no, because it's yeah. just not within their capacity the way they were right. brought up the way and they've been socialized. Yeah, their scope, like their that. perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. So um, it's really interesting to see, and that because I work with you know a lot of different types of couples, and I see a wide variety of those sorts of things, and it's so refreshing when I see somebody doing the work with mm-hmm. their partner, and the partner is genuinely invested yes. in not only doing what's needed as a provider for the baby, but also being invested in their partner's experience Mm -hmm. and supporting that transition and knowing it's a big transition Mm -hmm. and knowing and being humble enough to see their role in it and and not sacrificing because I don't, I don't like that word too much, but it is, you know, just a shifting of priorities and different ways. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast about how toxic masculinity is kind of ruining the world. No doubt. As a mom of two boys, that's yes. always at the top of my mind. Oh, yes. Raising aware feminist men and secure who and will, solid. Yeah. will support their partners, whether they're male or female or whatever, right. however that ends up unfolding for them. But even just friends, you know, female yes. friends in their lives. I'm always talking to them about that because, man, yes. that's such a big missing piece, too. It is. It's huge. And we probably could go on for another hour about that. <laughs> I'm sure we will at some point. Uh, I think that I think that would be a really fun roundtable discussion. Yeah, that would be. We'll have to uh, we'll have to go there mm-hmm. whenever we can sometime. Well, okay, your light 
and wisdom has been such a gift to have here. <laughs> and I'm so excited we got to have you. I want you to share what it is you do so that any of our listeners can follow you and, and receive your services if they're in Orange County or if you're doing anything virtually or anything like that, that they can still access you. Yeah. So tell us about what you're doing. So my business is called Mind Body Baby mm-hmm. Orange County because there are some other Mind Body Babies across the uh, country. Mm-hmm. Um, and primarily at the moment, I'm teaching hypnobirthing classes. It's a five-week series, uh, comprehensive childbirth education. And what I love about it is that it's for everybody. So it gives you tools to handle whatever comes up. And in fact, I still use these tools every day as mm-hmm. a mom. So they're life skills. Um, and so I think everybody can get something from it. Totally. Um, I am a birth doula, but I am not taking clients at the moment, so I can focus on my family and a mm-hmm. few other things. Um, I am also diving into fertility doula services and hopefully launching a fertility support group soon once I kind so of great. finish up all those loose ends. Um, but I also do like maternity consultations, mm. birth planning sessions, um, I mean, pretty much anything anybody can think of, I am willing to offer both locally in person and virtually. Mm. So um, even the fertility doula work can be done virtually. Absolutely. Um, so anything like that, I just feel like I love being a resource for people. Um, and I want, it's, it's so much nicer to have somebody you can just like call to ask questions who's not going to make totally. you feel like crap make you feel stupid, mm-hmm. um, who's not going to brush you off like some medical providers will do mm-hmm. when it comes to all these things surrounding like fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. even parenting, stuff like that. So I welcome anybody to reach out to me who just kind of wants some more guidance and mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, my website is mindbodybabyoc.com. Yes. And then I'm on all the things, uh, <laughs> social media, Facebook is at MindBodyBabyOC. <coughs> Instagram is at MindBodyBabyOC. That's pretty much all I have at the moment. Moment. It's um, a lot. That's good. Yeah. So, and ideally down the road, I'll be delving into postpartum and lactation and nice. that kind of stuff just to bookend the whole childbearing yeah. years. Totally. You're there for all of it. I, yeah, I love all of it, and that's we need so much support. Oh, we do during this time. It's critical, and you we're d- at critical mass. We are, <laughs> and you've done some um, free workshops lately, which I think is such a needed <clears throat> thing. And you talk about like how to prepare for birth, right? Like yeah. So I've been doing um, how to have an amazing birth workshops, which is kind of a preview into the hypnobirthing classes. Yes, but just to give people a taste of some very simple techniques. Um, no matter what they have planned or whatever unfolds in their birth, just to feel more confident mm-hmm. and informed and knowing that they have options first and foremost mm-hmm. in terms of the care and their support systems. And then just a few tools to stay calm and positive. Totally. Um, things can be hard and joyful at the same time. Absolutely. And so just trying to impart some of that into the community. Yeah. I don't have any coming up because um, we're going to start heading into the holiday season right. and it's totally. kind of nuts, but hopefully in 2020, I'll start offering those again. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. Okay, good. And I will make sure to leave on our show notes and stuff, all that information to be able to get a hold of you. So that if anyone wants your amazing services, <laughs> they can access you. Great. Um, but thank you. Thank so you. Much. I'm just so excited that I've got to talk to you and this is um, great. I'm so glad. And our listeners, if you ever have any comments or questions or inquiries, for myself or for Nicole, you can leave them. Um, email me, email her. 
whatever you need, um, we are here to help. But I love you, and I'm so I glad you were you. here. I love you. This so was fun. great. Yay! I'll see you again, <laughs> hopefully very soon. Yes. I want to thank you for spending part of your day here with us. Hopefully you have found some new inspiration, strength, and courage to move forward on your journey. Until we connect again, I see you and I love you.